0: There we go. Good evening, team. I'm just going to get set up here. because I need uh, somebody to put my Bible. Uh, so excuse me for a second. Uh, it's an interesting passage that we're looking at tonight. If, um, if the statistics of the passage are true, it tells me that only one in four of you are going to understand what I say. That's a little bit depressing as a preacher, as we come to that. I don't think the statistics are true. I don't think it works out to 25% like that. But nevertheless, uh, at the very least, this passage tells us, doesn't it, that there is a way Uh, That you and I can hear the word of God, but not actually hear it. That's a viable thing that might happen tonight. And so we need to pray for God's help uh, before we get into the Bible. So let's pray together. Father God, thanks so much that you're a God who speaks. Thanks that you have given us access to your word, the Bible, and that we can read it freely and that we can hear the message of salvation, your gospel word going out uh, before our very eyes. Uh, God, as we spend a little bit of time now just reflecting on these words of Jesus and some of the things that he was teaching, uh, God, please give us those ears that truly hear your word. Give us those ears of faith uh, that are attentive, that are open, that are responsive, and that are ready to obey. Uh, so please help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, a few years ago, uh, I got to go to a concert of my absolute favourite uh, artist, an artist by the name of Ben Folds. Anybody know Ben Folds? A few people, anybody a fan of Ben Folds? Ah, oh, these legends. Those of you, I noticed there, it's only the people who are fans of him who've heard him, right? Nobody's heard him who's not a fan of him. What that means is, if you haven't heard him, go and check him out. You're in for a treat. He's a singer-songwriter, he's amazing, he's very funny, very talented. He plays piano. And uh, I got to go and see Ben Folds at the Sydney Opera House uh, a few years ago with some friends. And the thing about this concert was that it was with the Sydney Symphony Orchestra. So it was Ben Folds on stage with like a hundred uh, orchestra musicians just performing his catalogue of songs. And it was amazing. I was so excited about going to this concert. And uh, as, as I went there to this concert with these friends, we were all kind of decked out in like our Ben Folds merchandise because we were like massive, massive fans of Ben Folds. And we went, down, went there that night knowing every lyric to every song that Ben Folds sang. And so the whole night, we were just hanging on everything that came out of his mouth. We were so excited about it. It was a great, great concert. Uh, what made the concert even better was that as we were sort of milling around in the foyer of the opera house, waiting to go into the concert hall, uh, a guy in like a really expensive fancy suit came up to us. And he looked at us and he said, oh, you guys look like, like real fans. You interested in coming to the VIP after party? Ben Folds will be there after the concert. And we're like, oh my gosh, heck yes, we're interested. Uh, And so after the concert, we got ushered out. This side door went around this special area of the opera house. And we got to mingle with like a 100 or so people and Ben Folds. Ben Folds was there, this guy who I was so excited, such a big fan of. But as we got there into this room, what I discovered was that not everybody else in this room was as excited to be there as I was and as my friends were. Not everybody else was there to see Ben Folds. Because as we walked in, he was just sitting here, kind of off to the side with like his manager and like one other person. It was just just a few of them. hundred odd people had no idea he was even there. They weren't interested. They weren't going and trying to talk to him or anything. We were. We were desperate to go talk to him. We were looking for any opportunity to go and meet this guy we're a massive fan of. And so as he stood up and crossed the room to go to the bathroom, we sort of like crossed his path and caught him and stuck in for a little photo. And we managed to get a photo with, there he is, second from the left, Ben Folds, that's me with my awesome haircut. Feel free to be jealous. Um, It was a great moment. I was so excited and I was confused as well though because I did not understand how people could be in that room with that man and not be there for him. There were people there for all sorts of other reasons. People like lots of lots of people in this room were like C grade Australian celebrities, you know, people who like were failed contestants on Australian Idol a few seasons ago, that kind of thing. They were clearly there just to try and get noticed by the paparazzi because there were people, you know, taking photos for papers and stuff there. There were people in that room who were just there for like the free food and drink. That was what brought them to the after party. There were some people who were clearly there just because they were trying to like pick up somebody at the bar or whatever. It was a big crowd. But not everybody was there out of devotion to Ben Folds. Now, as we get to this part of Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 8, Jesus is in a very similar situation here. Uh, there is a large crowd that has started to follow Jesus on his ministry. And that's not surprising, right? You remember what we've been looking at over the previous weeks. Jesus has been going around Galilee performing these amazing miracles. He's been healing people of sickness, casting out demons, raising people from the dead. And so this large crowd, is, they want to come and see what Jesus does next. And so as Jesus goes about on this ministry, he goes proclaiming the kingdom of God. That's Everywhere he goes, he tells the message that the kingdom of God has come near and entry into the kingdom of God is now open to you because King Jesus is pardoning sinners. King Jesus is welcoming people back into relationship with God the Father. That's the message of the kingdom of God that Jesus has been preaching. It's the Christian faith in a nutshell. That is what Jesus has done as he's gone around. Uh, And so far, Luke has told us in his gospel that some people in the crowd have welcomed that message. Some people are stoked to hear that they can enter the kingdom of God through King Jesus. But other people don't want to have anything to do with it. There's been a real mixed reaction amongst the people Jesus has been preaching to. And so at the beginning of chapter 8, Jesus chooses this moment in front of this crowd to tell a story. A story about a farmer who goes out. And he sows seed into all these different sorts of soil and he gets a bunch of different results. And so in a sense, what Jesus is doing as he tells the parable of the sower, we're going to get into that in a second, what he's doing is he's offering a running commentary on his ministry. He's saying, this is what I'm doing. This is what I have been doing as I've been going around sowing the seed, sowing the word of God and getting these different results. And Jesus, he's not just telling telling us this for our interest. He's trying to achieve something as he commentates on his own ministry of sowing the word of God. He's trying to actually separate the crowd into two groups. He's trying to sift people. He's trying to suss out who are the people who are really there out of devotion to him and who are the people just there out of curiosity or convenience or whatever it might be. We're told that in verse 10. That's the purpose of this section, to separate people, to identify why they're part of this crowd around Jesus. And so as we look at this passage today, there are two kind of main challenges for us that we're going to to look at in turn. Uh, The first challenge I think this passage throws up to us is the challenge to be a good sower. And we're going to look at that in verses 5 to 8. And then the second challenge is the challenge to be a good soil. And we're going to look at that in the second half of the passage, verse 11 to 18. So let's have a look at the the first challenge first, being a good sower. Uh, So if you've got your Bible, leave it open there. Look at verse 5. Jesus uh, begins this story with a, an unidentified farmer, right? You don't get any details about him, what, he, what he's like, who, who he is, identity. But I think kind of given the context, as I've said, we're supposed to understand that this is Jesus, this farmer. He's the one who's been going around sowing the word of God. But it's not just limited to Jesus. You've got to understand, as you read the parable of the sower, it, this is not just about Jesus sowing the word. Because Jesus is not the only one who sows the word of God, is he? Uh, The apostles, for instance, they also sow the word of God. We're going to see that in a couple of weeks. We're going to get to Luke chapter 9. You might know there's a point where Jesus commissions his apostles, his disciples to go and proclaim the kingdom of God, and that's what they do. All through the gospel, all through the book of Acts, and you see people converted, you see churches established, and you see the Christians in those places taking that seed, that word of God, and spreading it further afield, more more churches established, and you see the gospel go forth from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. The apostles sow that seed as well, not just Jesus, but also we sow that seed, don't we? Here in Australia, 2018, as followers of Jesus, we have that same job. That same job that Jesus gives to his disciples, he gives to us. Go and sow the seed. Go and tell people the message of the kingdom of God. Share the gospel with the world. That is for all Christians, right? It's not just for paid ministers. It's not just for people who work for churches who are told to do that. It's not just for gifted evangelists. All Christians have this responsibility to share the word of God, speak the message of the gospel Make Jesus known. And so I think that's why it's appropriate for us to read the parable of the sower, see somebody sowing the seed, and to think, well, what can we learn about our job, our role as sowers of the seed? If we're Christians who have to sow the seed, what does this parable teach us about sowing the seed? I've got three lessons for you, three quick lessons that I think this parable uh, sheds light on. Uh, The first lesson for us to realize is that The power to create a harvest, the power to create a crop from this seed, it rests in the seed and not in the sower. That's where the power is. The power is in the seed and not in the sower. It's the seed that has the life in it, right? It's not about the technique of how the sower actually throws the seed out into the soil. And I'm really thankful for that, super thankful for that, because what that means is for me, as I preach to you tonight, It's got nothing to do with me and how I deliver this message to you. Actually, the power to change your life comes from the message of the gospel, the message of the word of God. I'm so thankful for that. You see, how the seed is sown, it really doesn't matter. What matters is that it is sown. Yeah? Following me? It's not about our wit. It's not about our our winsomeness, our warmth, our wisdom uh, that determines whether people become Christians. Now, like, those things are good things. And if you're trying to sow the seed, then, like, please, by all means, do it with wit and winsomeness and warmth and wisdom. That's great. But the power is in the word of God. The power is in the message of the gospel to change people's hearts, to produce a crop within people's lives. The power is in the seed. That's the first thing for us to note. The second quick lesson for us to note is that this seed that gets sown It's got to be sown liberally, far and wide. It has to be sown liberally. That's the second lesson there. You see the sower in the parable doing that. He's just scattering it everywhere. We've seen Jesus doing that everywhere he goes on his ministry. He shares the gospel. It doesn't matter who he's speaking to, whether they're a Pharisee or a prostitute, whether they're a cripple or a child, whether they're a governor or a general, whether they're a lame person or a leper, Jesus speaks to them all. He scatters the seed. He sows the seed to everyone. He sows it liberally, right? He, he's not afraid about the possibility of wasting some of the seed. He doesn't care that some of the seed falls on rocky soil or on thorny soil or on the path, and yes, on good soil too. He's going to scatter it everywhere, right? He scatters it liberally, generously, boldly. And that's what we should do as we think about sowing this message of the kingdom of God out into the world. We've got to scatter it liberally, right? We don't, for a second, try and restrict the scattering of God's word. We don't play that game of putting boundaries around who we're going to share the message of the kingdom with. Who is it in, in the Gospels who restrict the sowing of the word? Can you think? It's, it's the Pharisees, isn't it? It's the Pharisees who say to Jesus, No, Jesus, don't go over to that prostitute's house and, and share the message of the kingdom with her. No, Jesus, don't go over to the tax collectors and the sinners. Come over to the good soil, Jesus. Come over to the righteous people like us. Share the message of the kingdom with us, Jesus. They try and limit the sowing of the seed. They're prejudging which soil the seed gets sown into, right? But Jesus doesn't play that game. He just sows generously, liberally, far and wide. And that's what we should do too. We mustn't prejudge the soil and decide who we're going to sow into. And and look, truth be told, I actually think that that is something that we do. We do play this game of limiting the sowing of the word of God. We probably don't realize it all the time, but it's a mistake that I reckon a lot of us make. And the mistake is this. The mistake is that we often think in Australian culture that we only have the right to share the gospel with someone if we have a long-standing, deep friendship with them. Only after we've cultivated that over a a period of months or years do we earn the right to speak the gospel into their life. We think that, and so we don't share the gospel. We hesitate, right? We put up barriers around it. We limit the sowing of the seed. Sometimes we hesitate indefinitely because, you know, how long is a piece of string? How, How long does a relationship need to be for you to have the right to sow into that person's life? Does that kind of ring any bells for anyone? I know that's certainly something that I've felt from time to time. I want to suggest to you that that is completely the wrong way to think about sowing the seed. Look, there's, there's nothing wrong with uh, trying to cultivate a good friendship with somebody. Don't get me wrong on that. Do aim for that. Aim for longevity of relationship. Aim for depth of relationship, yes. But that is not a precondition to you sharing the gospel with anyone. Do you understand that? Because the question is not, do you have the right to speak the gospel to this person? That's the wrong question to ask. The question is, Does God have the right to make his gospel known? That's the question you've got to ask. Does God have the right to make his gospel known? You'd have to say yes, wouldn't you? God has the right. This is his world. He has a message for it, the gospel, and he will speak it to whomever he wants, through whomever he wants, whenever he wants. God has the right. He wants his seed to be sown far and wide. So that means that we have to, sow the seed as much as we can to anyone who comes across our path, whether that's somebody that we've known for minutes or for decades. If I meet you tonight, if you're new to church and I just meet you tonight, sorry and not sorry, I'm going to ask you what you think about the gospel, whether you understand who Jesus is. It doesn't matter that we've just met. This is God's message for you. That's the attitude that we have to have because we know, don't we? We get told in this parable in verse eight, this seed that gets sown, it's going to yield a crop. There's going to be a positive result from this. That's actually the third lesson for us to learn about sowing here: the lesson that the seed will yield a crop, right The seed will yield a crop. You, you, you get these three soils where there's this apparent failure, right? where they, they don't actually produce anything long term. But nevertheless, by the end of this story, the farmer, he's received a crop, hasn't he? He's yielded a crop from the seed sown. Yes, there's going to be times where it seems like the seed, the gospel message, doesn't take root in people's lives. Yes, there's going to be times when the harvest that we see is smaller or slower than we would like it to be. That's going to happen. But there will be a harvest. Do you get that? As the gospel goes out, people will put their trust in Jesus. There will be a harvest. And So I think, friends, that means that we have to live our day-to-day lives expecting That the people we know who don't yet know Jesus will come and put their trust in him. We have to expect that that's possible, right? We have to, to live together as a church with the expectation that the word of God really will change us. It really will transform our lives. There will be a harvest. And so there's no room for pessimism as a Christian as you think about sowing the seed out into this world. As, as a church, as we think about holding out the word of life to this city, there's no room for pessimism about what results we might see because there will be a crop. The word of God will do the work of God. There will be a result. And so, that's all I want to say. Three quick lessons for you about being a good sower. Firstly, the power is in the seed and not in the sower. Secondly, the word must be sown liberally. Thirdly, the seed will yield a crop. I hope that somewhere in there there's some encouragement for you, some challenge for you. Maybe you're going to be spurred on to take some more bold risks in sowing the seed this week, and you think about that as your role as a sower of God's message. But I want to move on. I want to move on to the more central part of this passage. I think I think this passage is more, more centrally, actually, about how we respond to the word of God, not so much how we share it. And so Jesus is going to teach us about being good soil who receive that message sown, right? And so you see what happens there, kind of after Jesus tells the parable the first time, the disciples come up to him and like, they're pretty dumb, they don't get it. They're like, what are you doing, Jesus? We, you know, thought we were doing theology class. You're teaching us agriculture. What's this about? Jesus says, no, guys. This is not about farming. You're missing the point. This whole thing, it's about sowing and preaching the gospel and responding to the word of God. And so Jesus then, he, he tells the story a second time, yeah? He tells the story behind the story. If you like, and he, he explains exactly what each kind of soil refers to out of those four soils, and so as we 're going to look through those four soils now, and I think that each one of those soils the the good soil but also the three bad soils they 've got something to teach us about how to rightly respond to god 's word, how to receive the word of god okay so let 's have a look at each soil and see what we can learn from it. the first soil well it 's a uh, it's really no soil at all, is it? It's a bit of a misnomer. It's the seed which lands on the path and the birds swoop down and take it away. And Jesus tells us there in verse 12, these are people who hear the gospel, but it just doesn't seem to touch them. It just you know, bounces right off them. Uh, it doesn't even seem to scratch the surface. And Jesus says that what's going on there, the explanation for that seed sown and receiving no result is that Satan has come and snatched that seed away. There's a spiritual reality to that person's hard-heartedness. That's what Jesus is saying here. People who don't want to have anything to do with the gospel, there's something spiritual going on in their life there. And I reckon, this is not too controversial, there's probably going to be people like that here tonight. People in this room tonight who by the time I finish speaking, you're probably not going to be able to tell me much of what I actually said up here because the devil will have come in and snatched that message away, snatched the seed away from you. Maybe if you're a Christian, uh, you've had that experience with somebody that you've brought along to church. You know, you bring a friend, a colleague, whatever, along to a, a Christian event. They hear the gospel explained so clearly, and you're sitting there thinking, yes, amen. This person's going to be converted on the spot. How could they not understand this? And so you turn to them afterwards and you say, what did you make of that? Like, you know, are you a Christian now? Or something? And they just say, oh, you know, the preacher had a nice haircut. And I mean, like, how, you couldn't blame them if that was what they thought, I suppose. But. I, like, I've brought family members to church multiple times. I brought family members to church on weeks when I have been preaching and explaining the gospel, and almost without fail, without exception, the comments that they give to me after they hear the message I deliver was, that was really good, Mark. You spoke really clearly. Uh, you, you know, you have a nice loud speaking voice. That was really good. Uh, it, it seemed to me that they have not understood anything that I've said. Maybe you have had similar experiences with people and seeing the devil snatch the seed away? Do you know people like that? Are you like that? The first soil is a warning to us. As a listener of the Word of God, we're supposed to learn that what we've got to do is we've got to to receive the Word of God immediately. That's the first lesson for us. When the seed is sown, you have to receive it immediately we we can't delay on receiving the word of god we can't sit there and think to ourselves oh like that was that was really interesting uh, but i don't have you know everything in my life in order uh, to be able to respond to that challenge that you issued to me tonight yeah uh, you know i just want to do a little bit more thinking about evangelism mark i heard what you said about sowing the seed of god but i just want to go and read a few books on evangelism before i actually go out there and do it right that is delay And this first soil, it warns us that you've got to receive the word of God immediately and act upon it immediately because otherwise it will be trampled and snatched away. The point is that if your heart is hard, there will be no harvest in your life. You've got to receive the word of God immediately. Don't delay. How about the second soil? The second soil is that where the seed falls on the rocky ground And where the seed begins to grow, but it soon withers. And Jesus says, verse 13, that these are the people who receive the word of God with joy. And so you think, you know, someone comes along, they hear a sermon, they come to a Bible study, they're reading the Bible, they're excited about what they're reading. They can't believe that they're seeing all these things about God and life and Jesus. They want to get to know more. But that excitement doesn't last. It's gone within a week or two. They believe for a while, but... When a time of testing comes, they just pack it in. They discover that the Christian life is harder than they thought it was going to be. There's, there's more disappointment. There's more struggle. There's more failure in the Christian life. And so they just give up on Jesus. Do you know people like that? Are you like that? Uh, last year, um, Catherine and I planted, uh, my wife Catherine, uh, we planted some carrots in our veggie patch in our backyard. We sort of... Uh, very early gardeners. We're still getting our heads around it. I say Catherine and I did it, but realistically it was Catherine. I just watched. I don't know how to do much gardening. Uh, But... uh As we planted these carrots in this sort of... It was a raised garden bed in our backyard. We were so excited because suddenly this whole veggie patch was filled with those, you know, the green, like, leafy bits that stick out the ground at the top of a carrot. This whole thing. And we were thinking to ourselves, man, we're going to have a real harvest here. You know, maybe we'll like, we'll pull them out of the ground, we'll take them down to the farmer's market, we'll sell them, make some profit. Organic, homegrown carrots is going to be great, right? So excited about it. And when the time came to actually harvest these carrots... Uh, We discovered that there had been a bit of a miscalculation because the soil that we had planted them in was actually only about five centimetres deep. Uh, The garden bed was like this deep, but the soil was only this deep. And so we pulled these carrots out, and they looked like chicken nuggets, but made out of carrot. It was like, it was hideous, ugly. It was stuff. It was good for nothing, except just being thrown on the compost heap. That was all it was good for. Because shallow soil, you see, it's no place for, for seeds to grow. It's no place for seeds to grow. And so this second soil, it's here to teach us that we've got to receive the word of God deeply. We've got to receive the word of God deeply, immediately and deeply. We've got to take it deep into our hearts. You know, If you just keep God's word on the surface of your heart, if you only have superficial faith, very thin consent to the demands of Jesus, then whatever little growth that there is in your life, Soon enough, that's going to be scorched away by the trials of life when trouble comes. When you hear God's word, you need to embed it deeply in your heart. That's the right conditions for God's word to flourish. How about the third soil? Third soil is the thorny soil. And in verse 14, Jesus explains that this is people who kind of start out enthusiastically. They receive the word of God, but it soon gets choked out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. I can tell you tonight countless stories of people I know who fit into this category. I could tell you stories of some of my best friends who fit in this category, people who were instrumental in me becoming a Christian, who at one time had a, an allegiance to Jesus. They were so zealous for him, but then as time went on, a desire for a romantic relationship or career aspirations or whatever it might have been started to eventually trump their allegiance to Jesus. I reckon if you've been a a Christian for a while, you will know people in that category too. Are you in that category? I think the warning from from this type, this third soil, this thorny soil, is that when you receive the word of God, if you want to receive it right, you have to receive it exclusively. Exclusively. Immediately, deeply, deeply exclusively, right? Because the human heart, it does not have room for competing authorities. Your heart has an occupancy of one and one alone. So you've got to choose who that's going to be. If you allow anything in your life to trump the authority of the gospel, if you allow anything in your life to compete with the authority of Jesus, then soon enough, the gospel will be choked out of your heart. There'll be nothing left. It'll be barren soil. That's the warning from this third soil. But the fourth and uh, final soil, thankfully, is the good soil. Verse 15. Uh, Jesus says, this is those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a good Crop That word, uh, retain it there, those people who retain the word of God, that word is it's a really interesting word. It's used elsewhere to describe uh, what you would do if you were holding someone captive. So think if you you know captured a prisoner in a war, you're holding them captive. What are you going to do with that person? You're going to lock them down. You're going to guard it. You're going to make sure that they cannot get away. Right? Jesus says that's what people who are good soil do when it comes to the word of God. The word of God comes to you and you grab it with both hands. You hold it tightly so that you cannot let it go. And Jesus says that those people, that good soil, through perseverance, through holding fast to the word of God, what happens to them? They produce fruit. That's that's a great promise, isn't it? If you want to know how to produce fruit in your life for Jesus, hold fast to his word. Hold fast to the gospel. You will produce fruit. That's a promise here. These people who hold on to the gospel message when it comes to them, These are the people who grow in their love for God, in their their love for others. These are the people who grow in their their hatred towards their own sin. These are the people who experience joy and peace through the Holy Spirit. They care about the needs of others before themselves. They want to see other people come to trust Jesus. They want to see God honored and worshipped in this world. That's the kind of fruit that happens in the life of a person who holds fast to the word of God. And you notice there that it, it's not, the, it's not the, the quantity of fruit that matters. That's not what Jesus is concerned about. It's just the presence of fruit. The fact that there is fruit is more important than the quantity of fruit. I trust that that's encouraging for you. You see, good soil, good soil is fruitful. That's the fourth thing that we learn about how to be good soil here. So let me ask you, friends, are you someone who receives the word of God immediately? and deeply, and exclusively, and fruitfully? Is that you? What kind of soil is your heart tonight? How are you going, not just tonight, but in general, at receiving the word of God as it comes to you? We're not talking about a one-time event when you become a Christian. We're talking about the ongoing receiving of the message of the gospel, receiving of the word of God in your life. How are you going at that? This, this parable that Jesus tells us here, it's, it's not just for curiosity's sake. It's not just good advice that Jesus would like it if we abided by. This is a very serious matter. I want, to, I want to show you how Jesus punctuates this parable. The verses that he says immediately after telling the parable of the sower. Because what they do is these verses, they shed light on us on just how critical it is that we be good soil. So let's have a read verse 16 to 18. Verses sixteen to eighteen. No one puts a light uh, under a uh, lights a lamp, excuse me, and hides it in a clay jar, or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken from them what jesus is doing at the end of this parable is he's reminding us that there will be a day of judgment that will reveal how you have listened to and received and responded to the word of god he's telling you that today How you receive the word of God will determine on that last day whether you stand to gain everything or lose everything. This is serious business. Verse 18, Jesus says, Consider carefully how you listen. How are you going at listening to the word of God? That's a serious thing to listen to the word of God, isn't it? As As a preacher somebody who teaches the Bible and shares God's word with others, uh, this is something that I feel the weight of and the burden of very acutely, and I'm not unique in amongst preachers feeling that there is a there is a weight that you feel when you are someone who's going to be communicating the word of God to others. We we hear all these warnings in Scripture as a preacher, warnings like James chapter three verse one, that not many of you should presume to become teachers, my brothers, because those who teach will be judged more harshly. We hear those kinds of warnings, and as a preacher, someone who's sharing the very words of God. That means that we have to take very extra special care with what we do and what we say when we're in this position. What that translates to is that a Sunday for me when I'm preaching here at WBC is a very serious day. It's a day when I'm desperately in need of God, when when I rely on him maybe more than any other day in my life. Sunday mornings before I come to church are times filled with prayer for me because I know that I have to get my heart right for the the transaction that's going to take place in sharing God's word with you. Uh, If you ever see me driving to church on a Sunday, be that in the morning or in the the afternoon, what I do in the car driving to church is I'm like belting out worship songs as as loud as I can. So if you pull up next to me in the light, you wonder what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing because I'm trying to get my heart right here. I want to fix my eyes rightly, correctly on Jesus and share God's word with you guys in a way that does it justice. That's a burden that I and that Joel and every other preacher feels, right? I'm sharing that with you because you guys, as listeners of the word of God, you should be feeling some sense of that burden yourself. That's not a burden that's unique to me. This passage is telling us that the Lord God is speaking. The God of the universe has a word for you, and you have to be very careful about the way that you hear it because you can can hear it wrong. That's a real thing that happens. You can hear the word of God wrong. And so you've got to feel some of this burden of being ready to hear and respond to the word of God, particularly when you come here on a Sunday and you hear a sermon preached, but not just that. When, when you open the Bible and you read it for yourself, you are hearing God's word talking to you. When you share it with your home group, you are hearing God's word talking to you. There has to be some sense of seriousness about that. Some burden that you feel when you receive the word of God. Because friends, the, the, the reality here, the spiritual reality is that one of two things happens to you every time you hear the word of God. One of two things. There's no third option. Look at verse 18. Verse 18, therefore consider carefully how you listen. Why? Whoever has will be given more. And remember, he's still talking about hearing here. He's talking about receiving the word of God, listening to the word of God. Whoever has will receive, will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. And that, you know that phrase, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. That phrase is true spiritually speaking. What Jesus is saying is that when you come to hear the word of God, if you come with open ears, open hearts, receptive hearts, ready to respond in faith and obedience to Jesus, what's going to happen there is that it is going to increase your capacity to hear the word of God. It's going to increase your capacity to bear fruit in your life. But conversely to that, if you come to hear the word of God and your ears are half-closed, if you are distracted, if you're not willing to respond to the authoritative word of God in faith and obedience, then what's happening there is that that's decreasing your ability to hear the word of God. And that is going to continue to decrease to the point where God's word will not penetrate your heart anymore. It's a serious thing to listen to the word of God. You've got to feel some of that burden every time you come to receive the gospel message. So let me ask you, friends, do you come to church prepared? It's kind of a simple question. Do you come to church on a Sunday prepared? Do you have a strategy in place? Have you thought it through about how you're going to make sure that you are someone who has a heart that is good soil? How you make sure that you're someone who's going to receive the word of God immediately and deeply and exclusively and fruitfully? Have you thought that through? Because I'm telling you now, it does not happen accidentally. You don't show up to church and, oh, look, my heart's in a good place with God tonight. That's wonderful. I guess I'll receive his word nice and easily. It takes effort to be the good soil. You have to prepare yourself for it. Do you have a strategy to do that? Or is your attitude as you kind of show up to church just a bit more casual than that? Oh, I'm going to hear a sermon tonight. I you know, hope the preacher's funny. I hope there's some memorable bits. You know, If something sticks, if I find something helpful that's going to help me in my life, that'll be great. If not, no worries. There's always next week. Is that more of your attitude when you come to church? Because I'm telling you that not only is that less than optimal when it comes to receiving God's word, this parable is telling you that that's dangerous. You're playing with fire if you do not take seriously the hearing of the word of God. So I'm going to jump on my hobby horse for a minute. Uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to plug, once again, these series handbooks that we have been producing. This is a book that we have been producing with a few people uh, to help you receive the word of God rightly. That's what this is. This is a tool that we want to put in your hands to make sure that you know how to engage here on a Sunday and how to respond in the rest of your week to the truth that you learn on a Sunday. And so I'm just going to explain a couple of things to you about this book. We give you space in this booklet to write sermon notes from the passages that we preach here on a Sunday. And we hope that you do that. I get that writing notes in a booklet like this is not everybody's cup of tea. Not everybody you know, can do that. But I want to tell you that this is, this is a skill that you can learn. You can get better at this. I didn't used to write notes during sermon, but with practice, you, you're able to kind of uh, take in some important things there. And so maybe, maybe that'll be worth you trying. And the reason I suggest that is because psychologists tell us that actually writing down what you hear, it aids with your retention of what you hear. And as a Christian who comes to hear the word of God, at a bare minimum, you should hope to be able to retain and remember what you hear. Here on a Sunday, right? That's what this is for. It's so that you can remember what we've learned. But it's not just that. We, we include these questions at the bottom of this sermon space, reflection questions that we hope will help you to kind of chew over what you hear on a Sunday. They're pretty simple questions. It's not rocket science. What was the main message of the passage? What's one thing that challenged or encouraged me? What difference will this make in my week? Uh, we want you, as you hear the word of God preached each week, to ask yourself those questions. It doesn't matter if you, you know, write the answers in this booklet or if you just use those questions to have discussions at supper and at dinner after church. You have discussions with your housemates after church if they've heard the same sermon as well. The point here is to try and consolidate what you're hearing, making you responsive to the word of God. And then on top of that, we include these home group studies these Bible study sections where what we're trying to do with this stuff is reflect back on what we learnt on a Sunday and apply it to our lives. You go through one of these studies, it's very hard to avoid applying the word of God to your life. That's deliberate because we don't want to be a church that just fill up our brains with theological knowledge. We want to be people who are transformed, who hear the word of God and receive it rightly and have it shape our lives. That's what this is for. That's, that's this tool that I hope is in a lot of your hands. Uh, the, the point that I'm just trying to make in showing you this is that as a church, we are trying to help you to respond to the Word of God rightly. We want you to do this rightly. You don't have to use the booklet, it's not mandatory. But if you're not going to use the booklet, I'm going to strongly encourage you to have a strategy to make sure that you're going to respond to the Word of God rightly. If you're not going to take sermon notes, if you're not going to do reflection questions, if you're not going to be part of a home group, at least make sure that you have a strategy so that you are prepared to hear. The word of God. This parable teaches us that it is serious to hear God's word. You've got to do something with it. So we've got a new series handbook coming out next week. You can buy one. Actually, we're not going to be here at 6pm, but they're available from next week. There'll be a couple of dollars. It'll take us through to the middle of the year. If you want to grab one of them, it's a good opportunity to jump on board next week. On top of that, if you want to be a part of a home group, a group of fellow Christians who are going to help you to apply God's word to your life, then any time is a great time to join a home group. Come and chat to us tonight. We want to connect you in and plug you in so that you can respond to God's word rightly. Okay, off my hobby horse. I'm off now. I want to, as, as I close, let's just look at those final couple of verses. The way that uh, Luke closes out this section with the parable of the Sower in verses 19 to 21. Uh, it's that part where Jesus' mother and brothers come to see him and they can't get close to jesus because there's this great crowd and so someone in the crowd tells jesus oh jesus your mum and your brothers they're outside they want to have a chat with you and jesus says this remarkable thing in verse 21 the final verse jesus says my mother and brothers are those who hear god's word and put it into practice friends the encouragement i have for you tonight is that if you are someone who receives god god's word rightly You are closer to Jesus than the Virgin Mary was. Attentive listening, responding in obedience to the word of God. That is what marks you out as a child of God. So I want to leave you with just five words. Those five words from verse 18. Consider carefully how you listen. Let's pray together. Almighty Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you so much for this uh, passage of scripture tonight and for the warnings that it gives us about how serious of a thing it is to hear you speaking and in turn to share your word with others. God, we want to confess to you that Too often we are people who take lightly the privilege of hearing your word communicated to us and shared with us. And so, God, please, would you soften our hearts? Help us to have that good soil in our hearts who are hungry for the word of God and eager to retain all that we hear. Help us to be people who drive your word deeply into our life without delay, who hold fast to it before any other competing authorities in life. God, we want to be your children, those who obey you, those who are closer to you than even your blood family. And so, God, please do this work in us of making us receptive to your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.